You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Headlines. On Tuesday, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckenwinkle, two black women, emerged from a crowded field in Chicago to face each other to become the mayor in April. You can call it black girl magic, but they're not alone. Currently, black women serve as mayors in seven major cities, New Orleans, Charlotte, San Francisco, Baton Rouge, Atlanta, Baltimore, and D.C. They are all leading major cities. And it also spans throughout national government, local and national government. You're talking about 17 women, 17 black women who were judges in Houston, in this Houston area, Harris County. And we're talking about a former teacher of the year who now sits in Congress. And please don't forget Stacey Abrams. But here in Detroit, it hasn't really resonated. Not at the mayor's level. It's been since 1993 when Sharon McPhail took on Dennis Archer as to become the mayor of Detroit. So today, our guest, Greg Bowens, the former mayoral spokesperson under Mayor Dennis Archer, will discuss with us this new phenomenon of black women who are taking on uh, these high-profile leadership positions as mayors of major cities and whether it can happen in Detroit. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Good. Good. Doing all right. Doing all right. This is a nice studio. Well, well Greg, g- give, me, give me some of your first thoughts on this issue uh, about black women who um, have clearly, over the last year or two, uh, taken on these these high-profile leadership positions in major cities as mayor. Um, You're talking about Stacey Abrams, who uh, ran for governor. Um, So what are your your initial thoughts about about this? And can can this happen here in Detroit? Well, uh, the initial thoughts. I've been thinking about this for a while, and it is something that I believe is a great thing. You know, you've got you've got a daughter. I've got a daughter for all the daughters that are out there now getting the opportunity to see themselves in these positions and these leadership positions can be a beautiful thing. You know, and I think that one of the things that's important to to remind people and and, and, to, and to keep in mind is that as these women become, you know, mayors in these in these cities around the country, they're still people. They're still human. And some of them are going to perform their jobs exceedingly well and, and others not so well. 
And so the fact that we're in the 21st century and we look at women in general, black women in particular, as uh, as as ascending to these positions against what was along the long tide of history, we have an opportunity to, I think, embrace a wider vision of what we can be as a community, as what we can be as a country. And so I think that you know, we're getting used to the idea of, of, of seeing women in these leadership positions and we're getting used to the idea of seeing African American women as it, as it relates to Detroit. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because out of all the cities out there, Detroit, we're still the blackest city in the country. And even though Washington DC got the moniker of, what was it, Chocolate City? Yes. Yeah. Cho- the Chocolate City. The Chocolate City, right? They uh, that title actually rightfully belonged to us <laughs> than it did there, because as a percentage of the population, we had we've always had more uh, African Americans, Black folks, as a percentage of the population than Washington D.C. and than any other place, any other major city in the country. And so, it is interesting that when it comes to us and when it comes to Detroit, you know, we're not like other cities in that. In other cities, a Chicago. For example, Baltimore, you can't just get elected with the black vote. You have to be able to build a broad coalition of people to get elected. If you're African-American and in, in, in really for any other any other race, you have to build a broad coalition that would include black folks. But um, since we're majority black, super majority black, the question becomes, what kind of difficulties would a woman have here getting elected that she might not face? Well, what, what, what are some of those difficulties, as, yeah. you, as you said? What, what, what are some of the things that could um, or that typically has um, hindered um, black women in Detroit in, in becoming the mayor? Because the reality is that mm-hmm. we have always or meaning in Detroit, we have always elected women in high profile positions. I mm-hmm. mean, you're talking about both clerks in both Detroit and Wayne County are black women. You're talking about several. At one point, there were nine of the or seven of the nine were on the Detroit City Council um, were women. And 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 that includes Marianne Mahaffey, who mm-hmm. got more votes than than any other candidate around. Um, and you're talking about you know, all kinds of judges. And and so they run the total span of what is going on uh, throughout government within Detroit, Wayne County, uh, as, as in within the state. So Mm -hmm. what is keeping Detroit from having a black woman as the mayor? I think that what's keeping Detroit from having a, a black woman as mayor right now would probably be those same kind of institutional things that keep African-Americans in general and black women in particular from ascending to high positions of power. You don't really see that in the corporate world here in Detroit. Unfortunately, I, uh, you know, we see African-American women become vice presidents. You know, I think there's one at DTE. There may be another one at a bank. I've seen that before. Um, we've seen them in charge of the school district, but we haven't seen them right, be able to rise to the level or an African-American men too, to be honest with you, 
uh, to the level of, you know, CEO of the hospital system, you know, that kind of thing. CEO of the bank, CEO of DTE, CEO of the phone company when we used to have the phone company here. Um, we just don't see those kind of things happening. And, and, and I think that I, I believe that there's some, there's some institutional, uh, forces that are at work here, maybe not on purpose, but nonetheless, they're the kinds of things that keep people from succeeding in the ways that we do. There was a report out, you know, recently, I forget who it was done by, but talked about how like the black middle, I'm sure you're familiar with it, how the black middle, middle class in Detroit in particular is being devastated, not getting the same kind of opportunities that if you have a four-year degree and you live in Detroit, you're probably going to make fifteen to $20,000 less than if you have that same four-year degree outside of Detroit. And those are, I think those are racial connotations because I'm not sure, I don't remember I didn't hear them talking about this report, and I, I'm trying to. Re- I think it was Detroit Future City, um, comparing African Americans in the suburbs to African Americans in Detroit. True, you know, and uh, you can cross Eight Mile, you can cross Alta Road, you can cross, you know, Telegraph Road, but you 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 can't escape your blackness. And so the kinds of things that are happening in Detroit in relationship to black folks being able to ascend to leadership, I think, is the same kind of things that are happening all over the place. The pool of people you would think that would be able to run for mayor in the city of Detroit you, because of the percentage of the population, you think that would be really, really wide. But I'm not so sure that it is. I mean, I could think of I could think of four or five women right now that I believe would be like really good mayors and and could the, the question becomes like with them as with an African-American male as to whether or not they can court and get support among the business power structure to get things done. And that that leads me to my next question. First of all, mm-hmm. I want to make it clear that we're not uh, – no one has suggested that Mike Mayor Doug – the mayor, right. Mike Duggan, right. is not going to run for re-election. Oh, yeah. Um, sure he will. And there has not been anyone that has – publicly come out and said they are going to run right. um, for mayor. So the question, getting back to what you were talking about, is right. what will it take for someone to mobilize that structure in order to in order to win? Because as we both know, mm-hmm. um, it takes money, it mm-hmm. takes influence, mm-hmm. it takes the backing of of the lead of leadership. Uh, it takes a number of, it takes a good uh, campaign team. Right. Um, it takes a number of, of things that um, are necessary. Winning in Detroit or any elected position doesn't come in a vacuum. Right. And so what does it take to potentially win? Yeah. Yeah. Aside from aside from the things that you mentioned, the money and all that stuff, the circumstances certainly need to be right. I mean, let's say for whatever reason, Mayor Mike Duggan decides and says, you know, I'm out of here. I'm doing something else or I'm just going to go and sit for a little while. You know, anything can happen. So is has there been someone that's been lifted up right now that's been building that kind of coalition that could potentially get them there? There are probably a couple people. That, that are, that are more aggressive, I think about it than others. I think of, uh, Mary Sheffield. 
uh, who has, you know, mobilized the community. She's been out front on issues. She's had the poor people's, you know, sort of agreement uh, trying to push laws and reforms that benefit people. She's been sort of fearless about that kind of advocacy work. And to be honest with you, from what my understanding is, it has not been all that receptive in the business community, you know, and I don't. Well, well, that's another that's another topic. But at least at least she's out there. She's pushing. She's trying the uh, I can think of um, certainly the chief of staff, you know, for Alexis Wiley. Um, She has had some I mean, she's usually out there in the press. She's, you know, the person that people kind of go to Um, uh, if she raised her profile some more. I think that she could, you know, potentially also and, and that, be someone that like kind of goes to my next question. Right. Um, groom- well, there are a couple other people, but go ahead. I mean, in, groom- in grooming leadership. Right. Um, how important is it to groom that leadership oh, yeah. um, in order to um, because only because you mentioned. Right. Alexis, right. Um, and again, we don't know what. Mike, no, we don't. We don't know what he's going to do. Um, and certainly he's got three more years left in his term. Oh, so sure. it, w- it would be very early to sort of speculate he is not going to run for mayor. No, yeah, we're not saying that. However. Could um, Detroit elect a black woman? Yes. And, right. and, we're, and we're dealing with that issue. And so. Do you think. I, do you, oh. how, do you, how do you groom that leadership? Because yeah. when you were in the mayor's office, mm-hmm. that leadership was sort of being groomed with Freeman. Mm-hmm. And we we know the backstory behind that, right. and and why he didn't run for mayor against Kwame Kilpatrick in the two thousand one election. Right, right. Um, but at least there was some sort of quasi succession plan in place. How do you get to that point? Yeah, I don't think that I don't know. I don't know if there's I don't know if the politics here in particular and maybe just in general are really allows for that, to be honest with you. It just seems like that you have to have someone who is willing to step out right now and do the kind of things to be set up for mayor. There are some pretty, you know, there there are women in Detroit in political leadership circles who are pushing hard for change. And not all of them are black. You know, we know about Rashida Tlaib, uh, who is, you know, she set the world on fire and won that congressional seat. We know the woman on uh, the other Hispanic woman on city council. Um, she's also a, a firebrand that's that's been out there. And I think, you know, she will, you know, she will, she would smack me upside my head for saying it, but Kim Trent has been, you know, she's now president of Wayne State University Board of Governors. She's been involved in democratic politics for a long time. Um, she has, I think, the kind of cachet that could also, uh, be a strong contender for mayor. Any, any four of these women, any five of any one of these women, I think would, could, could step up. And actually do it. The question becomes, you know, what will the business community, how would the business community get behind it? I mean, even um, Santil Jenkins, who's the head of thaw and used to be on city council, you know, she's still out there and she's, you know, doing what she can for people. And um, she's got a good name. And, and, and all of these women are young enough to do it. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like, 
things would have to come crashing down and they would have to like blow through the rubble of it. That it would mean, it would basically have to mean that like the business community sort of falls apart in, 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 in the current structure today, much like with the Kwame Kilpatrick thing. You know? So, so just to remind folks, we're talking with Greg Bowens, the former press secretary for Mayor, former Mayor Dennis Archer, right? And and so I've been doing politics for a long time. You've been doing politics for <laughs> a long time. My hair was black, <laughs> and I had hair, but that's a that's another that's subject. another story. That's, that's a whole that's a different show, right? In exactly. Stay out of media and politics, folks. Your hair go gray, or you'll lose it. <laughs> that might be true. And so, right. So, when can this reasonably happen? When could it happen? And and so, yeah. Is it as soon as Duggan steps down? Because this trend is sort of going on now, right? And so, you know, will that will it happen when when if when and if Duggan steps down, yeah. or is it something that in three years you will see? Um, Black women or a a viable black woman that that steps up as a viable candidate to right um to really give him if he decides to run right um a challenge and mobilizes Detroit um almost like Kwame Kilpatrick did in two thousand and one and mm-hmm. because as you can as most f- folks can remember. Mm-hmm. He sort of came. Well, he took advantage of a hole, right? There was an opportunity. The mayor stepped down. And, and maybe that's the kind of thing that needs to happen. It, let's say, let's, I don't, it's so hard to try and predict these kind of things. But Darren, you know, we, we've seen this. We've been around this for a long time. And it's like, who is really getting in a position to be able to do that? To excite people in the city of Detroit, but not scare the white folks. And that's so what's going on. Excite the black that, folks, but what, not scare the white and folks. That, that's what might be going on as we speak. What's that? Somebody's excited. Somebody may be, yeah. you know, behind. They may be. Behind the scenes doing that now because, you know, as you know, this stuff doesn't start, you know, um, April 15th oh, or right. whenever right. the filing deadline is. It right. starts two years before right. uh, folks get ready to, to campaign. So. I mean, the third term, trying to get a third term is always hard. It's difficult for, you know, good mayors. To run that because you've got eight years of stuff behind you and, uh, and people are, you know, same old, same old and all that stuff. And so you almost need someone that would be fearless. They would have to be fearless in their, in their, in their passion for the job and their, uh, they would have to have an issue that people can galvanize around. We've seen and keep hearing, you know, crime is still an issue. The whole, Talk about the numbers not being right and the police not coming on time and, and all that stuff. But against the backdrop of the development, that's been hard to push, but it's, 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 it's getting, it seems things seem to be getting to something of a tipping point when even though you have someone as big as Chrysler come in and say, we're going to put another plan here and we're going to bring thousands of jobs to the east side, you know, and we know what that's going to look like before it gets there. They said you get a year or 10 months or whatever to buy the land. So, you know, the mad scramble is going to start. Some neighborhoods going to get bulldozed. People are going to get mad. And, uh, this, 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 the, the way that this thing has been handled or will be handled will 
speak a lot about like a third term. It could be the kind of thing that makes the mayor say, okay, I've, I've done all that I can do. I've got this plant built. I've broken a lot of eggs along the way to get it done. You know, I can leave now. Uh, uh, because, uh, it's that, that's, that's going to be hard. But even against the backdrop of that kind of announcement where we saw that, you know, there, there still wasn't this, this fireworks of excitement about it. You know what I mean? It, it's just sort of like, Oh, okay. That's cool. That's what people are sort of like saying. And I, I think that there's something of a disconnect there because even as development has happened and, and we've gotten a new hockey stadium now and we've gotten these uh, new hotels that have come in and these apartment buildings that have been done and the new restaurants that have popped up all over the place, it's it's not just the same old conversation about gentrification that's occurring. It's a conversation about people not being included in the jobs that are being created and the opportunities that are being created. And when you have a Nolan Finley, a conservative columnist for the Detroit News, you know, we know him, uh, writing about where did all the black people go in downtown, then you got, you got, you have a real issue. And that narrative is, is, um, <laughs> it is, it's, it's taking root, I think, in the minds of people in ways that could give rise to a strong black candidate. Not one that's saying like, you know, real angry or mad or anything like that, but one that's saying like, you need to have a fighter for you, you know, and tapping into it in that kind of way. And Mary Sheffield seems to be the one that's out there doing it. She's, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's just, it, 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 could Detroit do it? Yes, we could do it. We elected a white mayor. We have Hispanic women on city council. We have uh, an Arabic woman who represents the city uh, in Congress now. So clearly we're like all good with, you know. But is the political will there? Is the political will there to do it? Yeah, it's. A, I think it's going to be – I think it has – I think it is a different kind of, of political will that uh, – you know what, Darren? You and I and those of us in this listening audience who are from this area, we're used to a black power structure. We're used to seeing black people succeed and get elected mayor and be judges and all that stuff. And a lot of these other cities where that's happening at, they're not used to that kind of thing. You know, uh, Chicago hasn't had a black mayor since Washington, right? Yes. Right. And so that was like a long time. He was the only one, right? Rahm Emanuel. I mean, he's there. But he's Jewish or something? It's hard to figure. <laughs> I can't figure. But you know what I'm saying? You will get an official no comment from me on that. Did I get you a no comment? All right. All right. Well, that's fine. But you know what I'm saying? It's like for them, it's an anomaly to have like a black person, period, get elected and then to have a sister, you know, get it is like a bonus. Right. For us, it's like, you know, it's par for the course we expect, you know, for that to happen. And why it hasn't happened so far is because it's been, I think, exceedingly difficult for sisters to succeed at that level in the city of Detroit because we don't see them succeeding in the corporate world in that same kind of way. You know, okay, that's what I'm saying. And so we, you know, you got, you have, yeah, it's just you want to see it so bad. And and if if there's any place where it can happen at, it should happen here. It should have happened here first, to be honest with you, than any place else. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Right. 
right. I, that that's a part of the reason. That's what intrigues me about um, this uh, phenomenon is that it has not happened in Detroit um, a lot sooner, mm-hmm. um, primarily because we've hired uh, young young leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've you know we just elected a white mayor, mm-hmm. um, and I mean. You've, we've elected someone who has not been in government at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so why not? And, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's very interesting because someone like Marianne Mahaffey, um, wasn't able to, to do that. Right. Um, because she was very popular and she's not a black woman. Don't right. Don't get right. me wrong. Right. But she had a lot of black support as right. well. You know, so that's what intrigues me about um, this particular issue and why uh, why it hasn't happened here mm-hmm. a lot sooner. And so, my next question is sort of goes to what in Chicago or Atlanta. I'll use Keisha Bottoms as an example. Mm-hmm. Her platform was not any different than what you would see in any other major city. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You're talking about safer neighborhoods, right. transportation, fixing the roads, affordable housing, and good jobs, right? So what was it about Keisha Bottoms that made people connect with her, that made her she was already a good candidate. Yeah. Let's, let's not get that twisted. Right. But what, what was it about her that made voters connect with her? Because at the yeah. end of the day, it's really about getting voters, particularly voters who feel like they are disenfranchised right. by the system itself or right. what is going on in city hall to get out and vote. And so what is it about yeah. her that got people mobilized? And, and 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 not only her, but the two candidates in Chicago um, and in D.C. and all of these other cities where you're seeing this happen. What is it? Is there is there something unique about a black female who's a candidate that connects with with voters there can be there can be something unique about it uh when they connect in ways that are reassuring you know like we the the, the qualities that we would look for i think in leadership when it comes to women sometimes are <clears throat> the bar's a little higher we expect for them to be strong. We expect for them to take no stuff, but we also expect for them to have that little genage qua, that, 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 um, that compassion, a sort of intuitive sort of compassion that you may not necessarily get from a guy. So we expect for them to be as strong as a guy, as tough as a guy, as mean as a guy, as bad as a guy, but we also expect for them to be able to reach inside of us and help us be better, you know, help us be a little more compassionate. Um, and 
And it's so interesting because having worked with a lot of women candidates and and uh, uh, and, and known a lot of women in politics, one of the things that seems to resonate uh, across whether they're in Congress or on the city council or something like that, I hear from people saying, who's going to look out for us? Like that sort of like quality seems to come. And I rarely hear that when it comes to like a guy. With the guys like who's fighting for us, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Who's who's fighting for us? I'm fighting for you. But with a woman, it's like it seems like voters sometimes we want you to fight for us and we want you to look out for us and we want to have that. We know that you are going to be more compassionate. We expect you to be, you know, more compassionate uh, and have like a sort of wider peripheral viewpoint uh, on the issues of the day. And so I think that those kinds of things are the kinds of things that are transferring around the country when it comes to African-American women in particular, because we expect for them to be even more compassionate and more understanding, you know, because of the history of black folks in this country. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And so that is I think that's the sort of magical quality that we're kind of looking for. And it's, it's a double standard, I think, you know, that, uh, that's, that's kind of gender specific, to be honest with you. Um, uh, and when, and when women in leadership and elected positions are able to connect on that level, then from what I can tell, they always seem to win. You know, you can't outman the man. No reason doing that. You can't, if you're white, you can't out black the black person. If you're black, you can't out white the white person. You know, you have to build on your strength in those things that allow for you to stand out from the pack, uh, in a, in a very unique way. And so, yeah, I wish I, you know, I would love, I would love to see that happen. I think that, I think we deserve, <coughs> I think we deserve it. And I think that, Part of the issue is that people will say that because we're African-American community and, you know, when they say that, you know what they're saying, they're saying that, you know, as a community, we're more conservative, we're more traditional. You know, how many times have we heard that thing, you know, buttressed up against, you know, the whole like, you know, crazy rap crime stuff, you know, too. Sure. Um, but I think that I think that. And, I'm just and, saying it hasn't happened here yet. And will it's gonna and, happen? And and African and will an African American woman uh, come out guns blazing on the major issues right. in Detroit? Um, I mean, we mentioned crime and how that is right. And and will they? What do you think about that? I mean, will they? Because because I think it's an interesting dichotomy. Because when you're running for mayor, it's all hands on deck, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You you do your opposition research and you've got to go after it, right? Mm-hmm. And with that said, you have to be tough on some ends, but you have to be kind of human right. on, the, on the other aspect, on the other aspect part of the the spectrum as well and so talk to me a little bit about, well about mayor that. i you know we we've gone through this period where mayor mike duggan came in and he first ran on the platform of he's the operations guy he's going to fix it he's going to make the buses run on time and the street lights work and all that stuff right and so 
That's why they hired him. Underneath underneath that conversation, too, was like, okay, we need to hire the man to deal with the man, which is, you know, <laughs> that's what voters said. You know, we 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 know we're getting the short end of the stick as African-Americans. Brother can't seem to get a break. You know, let's let's try it. He's this guy's qualified. He can do it and he can put that face. He can give us that face that, you know, that we need. Uh, out there. Now, what's interesting about this is, is that the mayor of Detroit is more of a regional leader and, and can't afford, we've seen this over time, you know, usually can't afford to just be like, I'm just Detroit, you know, and because everything that Detroit does impacts the region and the state in ways that are just like, you know, that it's, you know, where this is Detroit impacts and then this is everybody else's impact. <laughs> and this is Detroit. And so people look to Michigan, when they think of Michigan, they look to Detroit and they look to the person, the number one citizen, which is the mayor. And so Mayor Mike Duggan has done an amazing job, a really good job, I think, of getting the operations, you know, back on track. Even though he had, we had state takeover and, you know, he dealt with them perfectly, to be honest with you. Maybe he got some breaks that, you know, that a Mayor Bing wouldn't have gotten or Mayor Archer wouldn't have gotten. Who knows? Um but he navigated that system really, really well to the point where the city's on solid, it seems like, financial footing and solid well, operational I mean, the footing. Bankruptcy helps with the being on solid financial footing. Well, I mean, I I'm mean, not a, I'm not a big I fan mean, of the I've never I'm not a big fan of the bankruptcy because it's you know, you got a mortgage on your house and the bank could call it due at any time, but they but they don't. And so the bankruptcy was about particularly as it related to pensioners. And, 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 you know, that kind of thing, you know, how are we going to pay for pensions? Absolutely. But, yeah. but we also have to, to acknowledge that it cleared the way that it cleared the debt in order to be able to, to do the right operations as well. No, 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 that's true. I mean, that's true, but it, it's, I think it's also true and fair to say to Mayor Mike Duggan's credit that, you know, that the, that the services that are provided for the, by the city are better now. We don't even hear about, you know, garbage pickup not happening. You know what I'm saying? We don't hear about, you know, the whole snowblower problem. I mean, snow plowing problems anymore. We don't hear about lights as much as we used to. That stuff that would give you grief is now spun off. So you got a regional water system, right? <laughs> so whenever the water main breaks out somewhere, it's not the mayor has to go deal with it. He calls up Gary Brown and says, hey, man, <laughs> what are you guys going to do about that? And so be that as it may, it is. It is, uh, he's put, you know, the city's operations on the, he's lived up to what he said he was going to do. Right. And, and, and then the development that's happened downtown and then picking these different neighborhoods to try and see what you can do about redevelopment there. I mean, every mayor struggles with that here in Detroit. And, uh, uh, but this, this, this plant thing, this is going to be very interesting to watch and, and how things unfold and happen there. That's going to be big time, but it is. So, so now the question becomes for voters, like with anything else, you know, what are we looking for in leadership? You know what I mean? Who's and and, and, and so now that you got the lights on, so now that we can walk in a room and turn on the lights and sit in a chair and, you know, work at a sturdy table and everything works on the table, you know, what is the job next? And that is going to be that is going to be the question and could be the opportunity for an African-American woman to step into that role, you know, because you can now inspire. I mean, who can speak 
to the death of a child better than a mother. We all feel it. But you know what I mean? Uh, who can speak to, you know, child care and other issues, you know, uh, uh, in some ways that are that women may know more intimately because, one, that's the role that we have for them in our mind. Right. Even if you're a judge, even if you're an attorney, even if you're a doctor, you know, people don't care about that. They want to know you're taking care of them kids <laughs> and they expect for you to be the mother, too. It's not fair, but that's what you know. That's what that's still the way that the, the roles are, are are out there. And when women speak to it, if a woman was running for marriage, she could speak to those issues in a way that it would be hard for a brother or a white dude or a Hispanic dude or whoever to be able to talk about those issues in a very in a very personal kind of way. Rightly or wrongly, fairly or unfairly, you could be the chief judge of, you know, the Michigan Supreme Court or the chief judge of the circuit court. And uh, African-American women decide you're going to run for mayor and you may have a very different life because of, you know, of the things you do. Now you have someone who helps in this kind of thing, but you know what it's like. And in, in, in the voters' minds, we know, we think we know, we think you know what it's like. <laughs> right. right. We think you know what it's like. Uh, and so that could be like, that could be a leg up. It can happen in Detroit. It will happen in Detroit. Uh, the question becomes when it will happen and when it does happen, it's going to take a woman of amazing courage to do it because she's not going to have everything that, you know, that a Mike Duggan does, Sure, you know. Before we get out of here. It's time to go. It's time to go. Oh, man. I was just started saying hello. <laughs> well, you could talk all day. I, I know I know you could. <laughs> what? All you have to say is You're good company, man. <laughs> With Greg Bowens, you had me at hello. Right. <laughs> when you have me at hello, that's all you need, and then Greg Bowens will, will get to talking. Get to talking. So Wait, I understand that. I was so, the only child. What can I say? And now my kids are grown and gone. So, <laughs> oh, well, you need some companionship, right? You need a exactly. dog or something. I need. A, I got a cat. Okay. Well, you, I do need a dog, though. Maybe you need a dog. My wife has been promising for ten years I can get a dog. So at any rate, <laughs> give me your final thoughts on this issue. Yeah. Um, the importance of this issue, and and sort of what it means, kind of going forward. I think that that. This issue of having a woman mayor in Detroit, uh, in general, African American woman in particular, is uh, the time. The time has really come for that too. I think the time has come to see that spread throughout, you know, throughout the body politic in Detroit and in this region. We just do not see enough African American women in leadership positions in the private sector. We have plenty in the nonprofit sector. But we just don't have that in the in the public sector. I mean, in the in the business sector who can, you know, see the importance. I mean, for them, it would be automatic. You know, they would say, well, why don't we have a woman there? We need to get that done. She's smart. She's smart. She's talented. She's good. You know, and start, you know, pulling those people up and putting some dollars behind them and putting that vision in their head. Uh, right now, out of all the women that I've mentioned, whether it was Mary, whether it was Kim, um, Kim Trent, whether it was, um, uh, Alexis Wiley, the, these women who are serving in politics right now, and then, uh, some folks in the private sector who, you know, are one or two levels down from being the CEO, uh, uh, they are not 
in the same kind of position to to get the fair shot that you might be able to get in Baltimore or in Chicago or in some of these other places where it seems like they lift sisters up more. That's all I'm saying. And, but the, 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 we're, we're, I, I don't think that, I think we've already shown that voters in Detroit and elsewhere will accept a black woman in a leadership position, in a solo leadership position. I think that's true. And the time has definitely come to do that. Those are, I suppose, my final thoughts. My final, final thoughts. And then my final, final, final thoughts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that would be Greg Bowens, the former press secretary, oh, so under mayor, so Dennis Archer, so long ago. Gross Point NAACP. Oh, my term ended. Oh, your term ended. It ended. Right. Okay. It ended the, a month the, ago. The former... The first and former. First and former president <laughs> of the Gross Point NAACP and who yeah. ran for. Uh, oh, that's right. Michigan Democratic Party chair. Party chair about a month ago. And I and a, a good sister, Lavore Barnes, won that seat. Very the good. The first time. Very good. <laughs> so we want to thank Greg for uh, being on Beyond the Headlines today. And, Beyond the Headlines. Um, I like that. Darren Nichols, superstar. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a superstar. I'm just trying to be what I normally be. Oh, which is do what I normally superstar. Do what I normally do. <laughs> and with that, superstar. <laughs> and with that, I like that. We will see you all next week on Beyond the Headlines. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.